Welcome to Stories with Strengths, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from our favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And I'm Tyler, he, his, him. And we are rocking out in space. We are dancing, grooving, defeating all of the, the galaxy's foes with one dance move at a time. That's and if right. you haven't figured it out yet, we are diving into the world of Guardians of the Galaxy. And I kind of have two questions, get to know you questions today for you, Tyler. Why We're not? Let's do it. In the mold. I have yeah. two questions for you for in sure. honor of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. First question, one, what is your favorite 80s song? Two, what's your favorite favorite Kevin Bacon movie? Oh, Lord. Because um... Kevin Bacon is an important person in the Guardians, in of, the the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah universe um favorite 80s song is a tough ask i know um i am not googling on the side here <laughs> i would say uh this is actually let me let me just look up some uh let me just look up some something real quick uh <laughs> i put you on the spot on this one too because we didn't even a little bit. we didn't even talk about possible questions as we normally do because we're never prepared for these when did this album come out tell me 86 you love that to see counts. it that counts um now what song on this am i am i all about Ooh, yeah sure 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 uh mm. Mm, they're both good uh i'm gonna go with uh living on a prayer by bon jovi Nice. Uh, my my mom is a huge Bon Jovi fan, and we've seen Bon Jovi in concert multiple times. My mom uh, would would marry the man, I think, if she could. Uh, but uh, because of that, his music was playing in our house all the time growing up. I think that whether or not it's actually my favorite, I can't tell you. That's like a really mm -hmm. hard question to answer, even if you just limit it to an eighties, you know. Yes thing uh but i think most influential for sure would be the work of mr john bon mm -hmm. jovi mm -hmm. uh and specifically living on a prayer or on the same album slippery when wet uh you give love a bad name both are pretty great cool. i mean you can't go wrong with 80s there's so yeah. many amazing ballads i would say I do love hair metal big to fan. answer the first question first together my two thoughts are Total Eclipse of the Heart, only because we sing it so often in my household with our dog's <laughs> name being Eclipse. And two, um, Joan Jett, like Bad Reputation, mm -hmm. or I Love Rock and Roll, because I've been mm -hmm. to a Joan Jett concert. So Nice. And I think favorite Kevin Bacon movie, I mean, you gotta go Footloose, right? Like, I feel yeah. like that's the only possible answer. Although X-Men First Class is so very good. <laughs> my thought was footloose as well yeah footloose is yeah. good it turns it's out it's really good it's a classic for a reason there you go oh my gosh so i'm right now you know of course googling kevin bacon movies balto oh classic balto's real good so there's there's so many good ones but yeah footloose, pull up absolutely. the man's imdb <laughs> right pretty much now we should probably get the show on the road yes <laughs> well with uh, all so that. before before we start, just real quick, oh, uh, for those of you that are listening, we are not going to spoiler Guardians Everything. of the Galaxy Volume 3 
Uh, I am going to try my hardest not to. I've seen it. I'm going to try my hardest not. not to spoil it for Jen and spoil it for you. Um, I am. I specifically challenged myself on this particular one, given the character I chose. But I am going to try my hardest not to spoil anything from Guardians Volume Three. Go see it. It's real good. It'll make you cry a lot, uh, and is just a really great send off for those characters. So I w- I would go see it. It's a good time. That's all I got to say about that. Awesome. Well, with all that said, then, Tyler, I do believe you have a new client. I do have a new client. I'm out here on nowhere, uh, a big floaty brain, uh, you know, celestial skull floating in the middle of uh, the galaxy here. Uh, And I am talking to a 13-ish year old cybergenetic experiment, (laughs) cisgender male unknown sexuality guardian of the galaxy you know him you love him rocket uh and i am talking to rocket specifically about a few things that have happened recently to him so we're taking rocket uh in the sort of post infinity war endgame timeline but pre volume three uh think roughly around the time of the christmas special that came out last year um or maybe even a little bit earlier than that uh but just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at talking with this guy and i think the main thing we're talking about with him is really sort of the main emotion we've seen him display in these films which is Mm self-loathing and anger uh and those two things are very much connected to each other for him and obviously he's gonna be a combative client in (laughs) therapy uh he's not somebody who likes to open up. He's not somebody who likes to feel what he's feeling. He tries to push stuff aside. He tries to push it down, tries to ignore his feelings, uh, which is why I think he'd be a great client for me. Because uh, uh, I just recently did a speaking engagement on uh, ACT therapy or acceptance and commitment therapy, um, where I got to kind of get down to the nitty gritty of the basics of that theory again, which has been a while. Uh, I typically just do the way that I integrate it. But because of that, that allows me to kind of talk about this from that perspective a little bit more, a little more pure act rather than just the integrative way that I use it. Um, And really what we're actually looking for with Rocket is just what is called emotional acceptance. That's really what he needs more than anything else before we can dive into the self-shame, the self-loathing, the pain and trauma of his past, which... I think will come at a later date, a later session at some point when he feels safer to talk about it and things are feeling a little bit better. That's my way of sneaking around the spoilers. <laughs> uh, and instead talk about what's going on with him in the present rather than past things that have happened. And so we start with just emotional acceptance because this dude gets angry a lot. And he's one of those people where instead of getting angry and pushing it in upon himself, he attacks others with it. He yells at others. He berates others. He, you know, gets really upset. And he, that anger is coming from a place of self-pain, self-inflicted pain about his own experiences as a person or creature, living creature. Uh, Person is, person's a loose concept in the (laughs) galaxy, I think. Uh, And Humanoid. Yeah, humanoid. Uh, I mean, even that, he's not technically humanoid. True. Um, But uh, 
anyway, that's a whole other experience. Yes. Sentient life form. There we um, go. Yeah. Uh, and so we talk about sort of where that stuff like kind of comes from and where it lives. And honestly, a lot of it comes from people trying to force him to be something that he doesn't really identify with or see as important. Um, people around him refer to him as a raccoon, a trash panda, a rabbit, uh, you know, like all these different mammals. And in reality, from his perspective, he feels different from any of those things. Uh, oftentimes he, he is quoted as saying, there ain't nothing in the galaxy like me. Uh, I am the only one like me. Um, basically coming from this place of like extreme loneliness, but also feeling like he's different, feeling like he's a freak, um, feeling like nobody will ever understand him. And in a lot of ways, he's got sort of a, a teenagery vibe to him. Um, and this is just very, I mean, very light spoilers, I'll say. Um, we see this happen in people with trauma often that they get kind of paused at the age in which a major traumatic event happened. Uh, and, and that's alluded in like guardians one and two yeah. heavy that there's a trauma. So yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, there's definitely trauma with him. Uh, and we'll talk yeah. about that part separately without, you know, going into too much detail, but people kind of get paused at the life stage in which they are, you know, traumatized at, and Rocket very much is an angry teenager, even as an adult, even as like an authority figure with with his son, Groot. Um, he still kind of comes across as this angry, nobody understands me, outcasty feeling teenager. And talking him through that and talking him through, you know, what does it mean to feel the way that you feel, to have lived through the things that you've lived through and survived and to be seen as like this hero of the galaxy when on the inside you feel like, you know, you're just this little freakish monster. And he's used that word to describe himself before. And we'll talk about sort of the, what does the, what's the context around monster? What does monster mean to you? What are the things that people have made you, where are the times you felt like a monster times people have made you feel like a monster and get him to a place where he can start building some self-compassion. I'm not here to help build self-esteem. I'm not here to stop him from self-loathing the opposite action is self-compassion. If he starts caring about himself, the self-loathing and self-esteem stuff will clear up on their own. Um, the way that I view this is like, you can't delete anything from the brain. You can't minus anything. Once a pathway is there, it's there. It's about teaching the brain to use alternate pathways as well. So I can't make him stop self-loathing. He's been doing it for most of his life at this point. That pathway is really strong. Instead, we introduce a new pathway, something like self-compassion, where he can start to learn to love himself in a way that feels genuine. And I actually think for him, going back to the emotional acceptance work, or spin back around to that, uh, part of that is letting in love from other people. Rocket is a very, um, what we call, uh, I think the metaphor that's often used by therapists is he's a sea urchin. He's got a spiky, out, a spiky heart outside, but a gooey soft inside. <laughs> Um, and I think that Rocket really wants love from other people. I think Rocket wants to be accepted and, you know, a part of a team and feel like he's a part of a family. And he has a hard time letting other people in because what if I get hurt again the way that I was hurt before? 
what if I get traumatized again the same way I was traumatized before? And so he kind of keeps people at an arm's length and uh, including like yelling at them and being angry with them to the point where he is so upset that he like feels like he might have to leave or go somewhere else and he has a hard time connecting. Uh, the only person or other sentient life form we see him sort of forming connection with is Groot. And they knew each other before they were Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's sort of re-raised re Groot now as Groot has sort of reincarnated into the mm -hmm. version of Groot that we see now. And uh, looking at that relationship, he's very, obvi like, very obviously able to let Groot in. And I think it's because... Groot communicates in a different way. Groot doesn't communicate via words. It's more so like intonation and feeling. Uh, and it allows Rocket to get past some of those barriers that he puts up that are intellectual cognitive barriers that get in the way of feeling. So when he's talking to other people, he can protect himself. But with Groot, there's such a different way of communicating there that it gets past the thing. And we see that with people in sessions as well, doing art, doing, you know, any sort of thing, visualizations, mindfulness exercises, anything that gets people beyond that sort of, I need to think about what I'm feeling experience and to just, I'm feeling what I'm feeling, uh, really gets past a lot of those defense mechanisms. And it's the same thing here with Rocket and Groot. And it's the same kind of work we'd be doing in our therapy. I'd probably ask Rocket to like either bring in whatever technology he's working on right now, whatever project he's sort of building, uh, as long as it's not a weapon. Um, I would say I probably wouldn't be comfortable with a weapon in the therapy room ever. Um, yes, correct. That's a strong boundary I have. Uh, and uh, talking instead about like, you know, what what's this like key card you're building or what's this, mm -hmm. you know, radar you're building or whatever, whatever he's, you know, messing around with. And having him put it together and take it apart and put it together and take it apart, almost like it's a fidget toy, but also it gives him something to do while he's feeling. Um, other examples would be like art or, mm -hmm. you know, some, Legos. Yeah, Legos, construct mm -hmm. yeah, construction. Um, if he'd be willing to, I'd do mindfulness with him. I don't know how good he would be at just kind of sitting still and taking a breath. Um, but we could try it. It's a skill yeah. people can build. I'm not against it. I'm not, I, nobody is naturally unable to do it. It's just that like, Hey, you got to kind of build up the skill for it. And then finally, the things that we'd be looking for are the behavioral piece, which is coping skills. Uh, right now his coping ain't so great. Uh, he likes to get drunk and cry and be angry about his lot in life. Uh, and just like I've said in previous podcasts, when it comes to things like substance abuse and substance use, I don't ever outlaw it in the therapy room. I'm not an abstinence kind of uh, treatment person for addiction stuff. I'm also not an addiction specialist, but I definitely lean more on the like, you know, motivational interviewing I and talking about this coping skill as for what it is, a coping skill. And it's not serving him to do that because it just makes the self-loathing worse. It makes the shame worse. And it makes, you know, all this work that he's trying to do far harder than what he's doing already. And so we don't ever outlaw it, but we do say like, hey, let's try some other things. Let's try looking at what other coping skills you can put here. And I think the main one that I'd want to teach him just right off the bat is setting boundaries with people that he cares about. Um, not because he's bad at boundary setting, but that the way he's setting boundaries currently is hurtful to other people. And so teaching him how to set boundaries in a like strong, healthy way 
Uh, and to probably start with some of the language that his teammates use about him and say like, hey, don't call me a raccoon. Don't call me a <laughs> rabbit. Don't call me a trash panda. But to do it in like a nice, healthy way. Hey, you know, it hurts me when you call me a trash panda. And I would prefer that you don't. I would prefer you just call me Rocket or whatever. Um, I know you're trying to be funny. I know you're trying to joke, but that's not a joke that I find funny. And to teach him how to communicate that in a non-angry way. Mm -hmm. um, so that way he's not just yelling at people and they just go, ah, yeah, whatever, you know, because I think when people get really angry, the response is to kind of dismiss what they're saying because, oh, you're too emotional or whatever. Uh, and so instead, if he can stay calm and set that boundary in a very explained, thought out way, which I know he can, he's a very cognitive person. Um, I think that that would be something that would be more beneficial to him in the long run. And he's not constantly getting jabbed at by people mm -hmm. in ways that hurt or make him feel different. It's the same, the same way as if uh, somebody were to use some sort of slur, right? Like, if you think about it from that perspective, that's the same kind of pain he's going through when people are calling him these things that he's not. Mm -hmm. um, the other example would be when people are misgendered, uh, basically any sort of minority experience where there is a macro expression of hate happening. Uh, this is not a micro aggression. This is macro aggression. And so looking at it from that perspective and maybe like having him talk to them about that i don't know if the galaxy has slurs i don't know if we've actually seen that i it's i understand why they would probably not explore that in a children's movie right. um, but i can but, imagine in the world where there is like implied cursing and yeah adult content there's slurs <laughs> yeah i would imagine that too and to say like you know hey this to me feels like a hate word like this <laughs> is what this feels like um I think that would just be more beneficial to him in the long run. And we talk about, I've talked about this with clients before too. Like something doesn't need to be a big systemic, horrible hate, you know, word or slur to be something that hurts you. Mm -hmm. Even if somebody, you know, if uh, I've got lots of teenage clients specifically. Um, so like if I have a teenage client who is gay and identifies as gay and their straight friends are like, ah, you're so gay, bro. You're so gay. What an F slur. Like that hurts. That mm -hmm. hurts that person. But they just go, ah, you know, they're just joking. We just laugh it off. And it's like, but you're telling me it also hurts you when they say that, even though they're, right. they're joking. And that's sort of the equivalency I'm seeing here with this sort of language thing with Rocket. And so teaching Rocket how to have that boundary setting of just like, stop hurting me mm -hmm. um, without yelling about it and getting angry about it would sort of be step one because I think it would help also bolster this sort of self-esteem, self-loathing stuff that's happening for him as well. The other piece that I would say just as a little closing thought, and this is something because I've had a couple clients come forward with some self-esteem, self-loathing stuff recently, is that just because you feel different doesn't make you bad. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that different equals bad is a very uh, unfortunate systemic message that's been brought about through years and years of racism and classism and sexism and all the isms and icks that you could uh, you could ever uh, think about that, you know, there's a societal thing of being different is bad. And that societal thing is dictated from a perspective of cisgender, white, male, Christian physically able physically fit people who 
are saying you have to be like us, you have to conform to our standards. So different is bad. And I explain that to clients as well. Like there's nothing wrong with different. And in fact, different is what makes things really interesting. Um, you know, but there's that a, whole systemic piece. <laughs> a common great. thing I ask is like, why is that a bad thing? Yeah. And we explore that. Yeah. Well, yeah, our culture says it is, but why is it a bad thing? <laughs> yeah. What's what's weird about being weird? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's strange. Right. Uh, th- that's the other piece. We all just pretend to be quote, <laughs> normal. Every- normal is a setting on the dryer. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that that is sort of the, that it would be my work with rocket would be looking about kind of undigging some of that self-loathing, undigging some of his coping skills and getting him to emotionally accept love from others and compassion from himself. And then eventually we'd go into the trauma work of stuff that would happen here, but, oh no, we're out of time for this week. So we'll have to get to that next time, but Mm -hmm. that, that would be my work with rocket. Awesome. Thank you. And you kind of alluded to it at the beginning, but why Rocket? Uh, I find him to be just a very compelling character. I really like him as a character. Um, There is a a school of thought that the Guardians movies are about Peter Quill. And I would get I would argue they're just as much about Rocket. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people would say like, Hey, it's about the whole team, what have you. But honestly, Drax is treated like a side character. Yeah. Gamora is treated like star Lord's love interests. Nebula has more characterization than both of them. Mm-hmm. And she's a side character until the second movie. <laughs> so yeah. like, I think that there is definitely a narrative focus on star Lord Groot and rocket. And Star-Lord was also somebody I was thinking about doing as well, but I think it's more interesting talking about the more, like in in a lot of ways, Rocket is way more human than Mm Star-Lord is. Um, And I think that that was a more interesting story to talk about than Star-Lord at the end of the day. But I just find him to be a very compelling character. I can relate to some of the self-loathing stuff that he's gone through. I've gone through it and kind of worked through that kind of stuff too. and like the the I think the thing that really stuck out to me recently uh, was just because in prep for the new movie, watching clips and things, I didn't watch the whole series again. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I The Guardians movies are the only MCU movies that I really go back and rewatch. I will say that as well. I don't really rewatch MCU movies. I watch them when they come out and then yeah. I go about with my, I go about <laughs> my day. Um, but the Guardians movies I have revisited. And I think one of the things that really stuck out to me about rocket one of the scenes and i think the first one is he's like super drunk at the bar and he's like i didn't ask to get pulled apart pulled apart and put back mm-hmm. together and pulled back apart again and, and made into this little monster and that's when he calls himself a monster and i think anybody who's gone through sort of a, a, a traumatic upbringing or traumatic issues in their lives can relate to that feeling yeah maybe you haven't been physically pulled apart and put back together again and pulled back apart again but emotionally it sure as hell feels that way Mm -hmm. um so i think that there's a lot of relation that i have to rocket or i just go yeah okay cool and same with peter quill also um there's a lot of stuff i relate to with him as well but i I just thought rocket would be more fun yeah absolutely thank you well with that said we will be taking a short break and be back with more stories with shrinks 
Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I just wrapped up talking with my good friend Rocket, and Jen, I believe you have a new client as well. I do, and it's so weird. We must share an office space there on Nowhere, <laughs> um, as I am also working on that celestial, you said celestial head? I don't know what. Yep, Nowhere yep. is so the head like, of a dead it? celestial. Dead celestial, yes. Uh, it's been a minute since I visited this world, but. Uh, I'm working alongside there on Nowhere, and I've been working with this client for a little bit now. Uh, she is a celestial hybrid female empath, insectio humanoid being. Um, and uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm working with Mantis. And we have been kind of talking about family dynamics as she is now with her new chosen family, the Guardians of the Galaxy, as a full-fledged member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And as we are approaching Christmas time and her relationship with Peter Quill and trying to give him um, a happier Christmas this year with everything that's gone down, um, but also trying to figure out when the best time to tell him about their family connection is, but then also talking about um, compassion fatigue and her abilities as an empath and what that has been like for her and everything she's gone through. So the first kind of focus, which I don't think would actually be that long-term therapy would be the family work. It would be like talking about being orphaned and growing up with ego, her dad and just that dynamic. But I think for her um, kind of, honestly being in tune with her feelings and that kind of world we could it would be work it would still be like that narrative building reauthoring dynamic but giving her just an opportunity to talk about the chosen family of the guardians and what it's like for her to have that freedom to choose um to be there and be a part of this family unit and how she would like to tell peter quill about their connection with each other um, giving her opportunities to figure out who she is as an independent person um, and start exploring not just her in a family, but her as a person on her own and giving her chances to rehearse and practice that conversation with Peter. Um, so much of the times with clients, we do straight up just rehearse of like, what are different ways this person could respond to this? You know, I'll take your role. You take the other person. Now let's switch. And we rehearse and practice different conversations so that they feel like they don't word vomit in the moment or um, feel like they can go in as confidently as possible. And one thing I do tell clients is like, don't memorize what you're trying to say, like still be there in the moment with the person. Um, if you do feel like you want to be very direct, um, feel free to write it out and like read something to the person. But when we try to memorize so often if we get stuck or lost or someone interrupts us, we might get even more flustered in that moment because we may not know where we left off in our head or just trying to make sure it's perfect. But even writing a letter to Peter, writing a letter to Ego or dad um, and kind of having that empty chair moment of reading something to him and having those final moments um, to find closure of whatever she needs there and doing that family work. And on the other side of that, though, something that I would specifically want to focus with her on is this idea of what it's like for her to be an empath, like literally an empath. 
Um, so often, at least with my clients, when they have said that word of like, oh, I'm an empath, that means this. I hear it often used very incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and more of like a, a scapegoat kind of word. Or like a, I can victimize myself or I can, it's like a defense mechanism kind of term. Mm -hmm. But like in this case, she is legitimately an empath. Yeah. (laughs) She can understand the feelings of others and alter them. And talking about that kind of translating into the clinical setting of what is it like as a clinician to be sitting across from someone feeling and going through feelings with another person, holding space for other people, helping them work through their um, traumas or their stories. Like we hear a lot of heavy stuff and her time with ego was helping him sleep and taking on his feelings and altering them. And even as she described what, with Thanos and taking on Thanos's anger to help alter of like, what has it been like for you? And what is that emotional toll that you carry when you are literally manipulating and helping other people like same coin sometimes yeah. uh, other people's feelings and talking to her about compassion fatigue and talking to her about bracketing and these tools that we use in the therapeutic setting to help us as therapists so that we can still take care of ourselves at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even just that like guilt that we might feel about, like I wasn't able to help enough or like I couldn't make that pain go away. And sometimes it's, well, not sometimes it's not necessarily our job to do so. Like our job is to help people learn the tools for themselves and to help them process and to help them find those words for those feelings and work through them. And um, we can't take away the past. We can't make it. I tell clients like, I, I wish I could wave that magic wand and it could just all go away. But that's not how life works. <laughs> we have to process and work through in the way that feels comfortable in the moment for them as we work through this journey together. Uh, and teaching her those skill sets so like with compassion fatigue like there's stress there's burnout and then there's just this next level of I've been taking on so many other people's things their emotions I almost literally cannot care anymore I I like we talk about decision burnout of like when you've been forced to make decisions all day every day for everyone you're done making decisions at the end of the day and with compassion fatigue it's so often of like I really finding it hard to empathize and to hold feelings for other people and for myself um, because I'm just so burnt out from holding space and then learning how to bracket of like this is Star-Lord's feelings these are Rocket's feelings you can help them and navigate them with your abilities but how do you keep it there and how do you keep mantis here and i think that's why she likes drax so much is because there's not that emotional toll as much with drax in the everyday conversation of things because he is very black and white and not very emotional and i actually do believe he's gray and red true sorry my bad gray and Uh red maybe is, is there a slight greenage 
to that uh, in the comics he's green and red but they uh when they made the movies they said that uh james gunn said there were too many green characters in marvel There's... so they'd made him gray gray okay um and <laughs> that works um yeah. Yeah, it's not like there's not this big giant green guy that runs around sometimes. Um, or another green character in the Guardians of the Guardians Galaxy. Of the Galaxy, yes. Um, but helping her learn to bracket, bracket herself from others, learning self-compassion um, exercises, mindfulness exercises, helping her learn grounding exercises to stay in the here and now while helping other people. And giving her an opportunity just to learn how to continue doing this. This is what she likes to do while still taking care of herself. And, you know, kind of short and sweet with that. But that would be my work with Mantis. Yeah, I absolutely, uh, from what you're saying, especially at the end there, it sounds like uh, in a way, both when you do therapy with another therapist and also Mm -hmm. when you... um, are supervising little baby therapists. Yes. Yeah, become... I was going to say, like, I could have spun this as she's a new associate under my care, yeah. but I was like, no, I'll still keep it as she's a client. Because I've even huh. worked with people, like, e- like even in the non-therapeutic setting, I'll talk to individuals in the medical world yeah. of, like, veterinarian science, medical science, nursing science, all of these different worlds, and it's like, how do you take care of others and yourself? Yeah, absolutely. All right. And tell me why Mantis? What about Mantis drew you to her? Honestly, it was that second part of the conversation there of like, Mm -hmm. that would be exhausting. (laughs) And we've all felt that way before sometimes. (laughs) Um, And she, I think, would also be one of the ones that would like be excited to go talk to someone about feelings. (laughs) Mm hmm. Um, and want to and uh, she's one of the few in that group that would be receptive absolutely. receptive to it absolutely but I like the conversation of talking about compassion fatigue and bracketing because um, something that I've talked to a lot lately of with my clients that are in the medical health world in any avenue is because of the idea of we were essential care workers it's been nonstop. Yep. And um, even still feeling fallout to this day of just not having that break. And it's not like other people had breaks in other fields by any means. People have been working nonstop as well. Um, but like even my my friends in veterinarian science was like um, people were at home with their pets way more often making them like staring at people at their pets or getting more animals. And then we got busier right um yeah and just hearing a lot more of it nowadays um it's a conversation that i think clinicians just need to be reminded of that like we we don't we cannot care more than our clients do mm-hmm. we have to take a break we have to go on vacations we have to um practice really strong boundaries and it's hard uh, it's um it's challenging to mm-hmm. find that balance and uh, being able to take care of ourselves is just as important and showing examples of that to clients of, hey, your therapist is going on vacation, so it's important for you to use your PTO time. Exactly. <laughs> and be that and example. Modeling. Yep. Modeling, modeling, modeling. You love to see it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. And thank you all. 
for listening. If you want to uh, hear more of us, we've got almost two and a half years worth of episodes at this point, and you can go and check out any of those things. Uh, if you want to hear more from us between episodes, you can go to Instagram stories with shrinks where Jen posts when she feels like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because again, this is a side project for us, mm-hmm. as we always say. Uh, and if you want to share us with your friends, your family, word of mouth is the best way to kind of spread uh, some joy our way with this kind of thing. And so if you've got the time, the energy, the place for it, go for it. Um, and we would really appreciate that. Otherwise, just take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com.